This is Last Call, an oral history project about the New Orleans dyke bar scene of the 70s through the 90s. I'm free for all, and I'll be your host today. Ellen Rabin is from New Orleans. In the 60s, she worked in jewelry in New York. And then I came back and opened up my business here. Ellen opened the only restaurant in the Maroney Triangle at the time. It was called the Apple Barrel. You know, we were like the first ones that, that opened over there. And uh, the business was a automatic success. It was like we had people standing in line when we opened up the door. And um, I didn't even know how many inches a poor boy was. You know, <laughs> it was sort of like all of a sudden it was there and people were coming in and, uh, you know, we had no idea what we were doing, but it worked out okay. <laughs> Eventually, Ellen owned several businesses. All the places that I had uh, at certain times of the day, it was all women, certain times of the day, it was all men. Mm -hmm. uh, City Hall used to be in there for lunch every, all the time, you know. Um, the strippers would be there at three o'clock in the morning, you know, so it was a jumble of all different types of people. In the 60s and 70s, gay bars were routinely raided by police. Ellen's businesses were not gay specific spaces, so the apple barrel was never at risk. Still, Ellen remembers the raids. You would just be sitting in a place and the police would come in and the paddy wagons would come up after that. And the next thing you know, you would be in, put in the paddy wagon and taken down and being booked and everything. Some places had systems for dealing with this. Ellen recalled one bar. And they had a light. And if the police came in, mm -hmm. they would flash the light. And um, then everybody would change tables and everything. And when the police got to the back, they would think everything was normal. But Ellen's dad was on the police force. <laughs> he didn't want any of his friends to find out that I was gay. So... He would tell me when the places were going to be raided where I wouldn't be caught in it. I, be I believed what he told me and I'd stay out. You know, but I also would tell everybody too. People didn't always believe her though. And plenty of Ellen's friends were arrested. There was a bar where all kind of people got raided and their pictures were on the front page of the paper the next morning. Which was not uncommon. But not like this. I mean, you know, they got like maybe 20-something people in this raid. And all their pictures were on the front page. So that was quite damaging to, you know, their jobs, their families. Uh, you know, because of my father, I was lucky I never had the experience of, uh, of going to jail or being booked. In 1977, the gay rights movement was on the rise. Harvey Milk would soon win office in San Francisco, and Dade County, Florida passed a local ordinance prohibiting discrimination based on sexual orientation. New Orleans was soon to throw their hat in the ring. There was a, 
I can't remember this either. There was a, somebody in Florida that represented the Orange Juice Company. Anita Bryant. Anita Bryant, yeah. Anita Bryant. Miss Oklahoma 1958 at the age of 18 and runner-up for Miss America in 1959. She had some pop hits in the 60s. And in 1969, she became the spokeswoman for Florida Citrus. She had a powerful voice and a powerful image, all in the name of good Christian decency. She publicly condemned the profane behavior of rock stars and homosexuals. When Dade County passed an ordinance banning discrimination against gays, Bryant formed a coalition against it and successfully overturned the ordinance. The organization was called Save Our Children. Just biologically, that God made mothers so that we could reproduce. Homosexuals cannot reproduce biologically, but they have to reproduce by recruiting our children. In June of that year, she came to New Orleans to perform with the New Orleans Pops Orchestra. The song in the background, by the way, Battle Hymn of the Republic, is one that Bryant famously performed. When God's word says that someone who practices homosexuality shall not inherit the kingdom of God, God is very plain on that. People were really furious about uh, the orange juice lady and we would do and boycott and things and then it led into somebody said well let's do a march uh, people all over the country were doing it I mean it was no big thing San Francisco and New York and it was just a happening you know um, and um, then somebody said we ought to have one here and that's all it took and then it took a life of its own Ellen and her best friend Jerry Menefee were among the organizers for the march. The only organizing there was to do with it was there was a bunch of women that made up signs. And then people would come by the restaurant and pick up their signs and walk down the street and meet at a certain corner and then they just marched through the city. The time had come for the New Orleans gay community to shout, sing, and laugh in the face of oppression. It was, uh, the march was, you know, it was like all the bartenders and all the places were trying to put together this march to make it better for living conditions in the city. You know, so it was quite a, quite a big march. Several thousand people showed up for the demonstration. It uh, went down Bourbon Street and then it turned over to Rampart Street and there was FBI men up on the, the rooftops with binoculars and guns and all kind of thing. It was a scary thing to do. Yeah. You know, and, um, and I almost went to jail for that. Well, not for that exactly. The event Ellen is referring to actually occurred a week later when she devised another, more subtle, subversive action to show the power and impact of the gay community. I went out and had a big stamp made up, and it said, this is gay money. 
it was a Sunday afternoon, or it was maybe it was a Saturday. I put it out on the counter and I started stamping all my money. And then people would come up and take all their money out of their pocket and they'd stamp their money. And um, it didn't take that long. It was like on a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning, these three guys came in and um, wanted to see my money in my cash register. You know, it's like, well, why do you want to see the money in my cash register? Well, we heard there was gay money here. And, you know, it was sort of like, well, how can you tell the difference between gay money and straight money? You know, and uh, and I was real lucky there was three cops sitting at the table right up front. They overheard the conversation. And they said, Ellen, you don't have to, you know, show them your money if they don't have a search warrant, and they didn't have one. So um, they went to get the search warrant, and then I called the guy up that I bought all my vegetables and everything from, and he bought all my gay money from me because that's all I had was gay money in the safe and gay money in the cash register. <laughs> By the time they got back, all I had was straight money. <laughs> So they came in and they went through everything, but they couldn't get me on anything because there was no gay money there. But man, I, I was facing like 10 years. For defacing currency. currency. You know. This, this was funny too. The, um, the money, the gay money, the guy that bought it, sent out vegetables to all the places and he sent all the gay money to all the biggest restaurants in the city okay so then all of a sudden gay money was popping up all over the place thank you for listening to last call this piece was produced today by myself free for all based on an interview with ellen raven by rachel lee and bonnie gable Rachel, Bonnie, and I are part of the Lost Call Corps organizers with Sarah Pick, Bear Iber, Blue Rain, and Aaron Roussel. We have a podcast and community events. To learn more, visit lastcallnola.org. You know, and the gay money was popping up all over the place.